0: I want to pray real quick before I start this message can you please bow your heads father I thank you so much for who you are I thank you that you are holy you are faithful you are faithful when we are faithless I thank you so much for your present your presence your presence who is with us here today who lives within us today father I pray that our hearts will be open to hear your words, that we will receive what you want to tell us today. Thank you, in Jesus' name, amen. Barry and I have been covering Bible Foundations and I am actually finishing up the Foundation series today and I'll be speaking on the Church of the Living God So I do get to cover a non-negotiable Bible doctrine on the church. Specifically, the church of the living God. Now we say the word church all the time. For example, we say, we're going to church. Or we sure had church today. Or perhaps you've heard, we are the church. Well today, if the word church is mentioned in conversation, they're most likely referring to a group of believers, like Baseline Church, or Radiant Church, or First Baptist Church. But what really is the church? There are actually two distinct meanings to the word church. The first is a reference to a church building, or as a designation for a local congregation, like in Romans 16.5 when Paul was saying, Give my greetings to the church that meets in your home. He's referring to an assembly of believers. In the New Testament times, there were no buildings designated as churches. Instead, Christians met in homes for prayer and worship. So I'm going to use the term local church or local congregation when I'm speaking about a meeting place to avoid confusion. Here are some more references to a congregation in the Bible. Acts nine thirty one says the church experienced a time of peace. Too bad the translators of the Bible didn't use the word assembly or congregation when the verse specifically was talking about an assembly of believers. 1 Corinthians sixteen nineteen is really obvious about its meeting. The churches here in the province of Asia greet you. There is a second meaning, and that is of the whole company of born-again, redeemed persons, regardless of location or time. It always appears in the singular, the church, never churches like we just read in 1 Corinthians. The church emphasizes the unity of Christians throughout the world. This meaning is found in Ephesians 1.22. God has put all things under the authority of Christ and has made him head over all things for the benefit of the church. In Ephesians 3.21, glory to him in the church and in Christ Jesus through all generations forever and ever, amen. Jesus Jesus taught kingdom, not a building. The church is not a human organization. Jesus is the founder of the church. He is not only the founder, but he is also the continuing strength of the church. Matthew sixteen eighteen says, And I also say to you that you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church, and the gates of Hades, or hell, shall not prevail against it. These words of Jesus were spoken in the future tense, for it was not until the day of Pentecost that the church was actually founded. It was on the day that followed Peter's preaching that the church was immediately and firmly established by the addition of 3,000 converts to the company of believers. And the church today is huge. The church is spoken of as the bride of Christ. The church is the bride of Christ. Jesus is referred to as the bridegroom by John the Baptist in John three twenty nine. Jesus refers to himself as the bridegroom in the parable of the ten bridesmaids in Matthew twenty five six. Throughout the New Testament, Paul Paul refers to the church as the bride of Christ, and in Revelation nineteen seven it says, "Let us be glad and rejoice." And let us give honor to him, for the time has come for the wedding feast of the Lamb, and his bride has prepared herself. She has been given the finest of pure linen, white linen to wear, for the the fine linen represents the good deeds of God's holy people. This figure of speech speaks of the purity of the church, something for which she, we, must always strive. When Jesus comes again, the bride's time of preparation will be completed, and she will be married to her heavenly groom. The church is also presented as the temple of God. The church is the temple of God. First Corinthians three nine says, You are God's building. Ephesians two twenty through twenty-one says, Together We are his house, built on the foundation of the apostles and the prophets, and the cornerstone is Christ Jesus himself. We are carefully joined together in him, becoming a holy temple for the Lord. In the Old Testament, the tabernacle and the temple were places where God manifested his presence in a special way. But God does not really dwell in material buildings as such. His special presence is manifested today in a spiritual temple called the church, in you and in me. Each and every believer is a temple of the Holy Spirit, but the entire church is also described as the temple of God. Like in 1 Corinthians 6.19, Don't you realize that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit, who lives in you and was given to you by God? And then again in 1 Corinthians 3.16, Don't you realize that all of you together are the temple of God and that the Spirit of God lives in you? God's temple is holy, and you are that temple. The church is also spoken of in terms of a human body. The church is the body of Christ here on earth. 1 Corinthians 12.27, Now you are the body of Christ, And each one of you is a part of it. So the church is portrayed as God's temple, God's peculiar people, the body of Christ, God's family, and God's army. Each aspect relates to the individual's function and place within this body. When Jesus fed the 5,000, it was a big group of people. He had the disciples divide them up into groups of 50 and 100, so passing out food would be more manageable. It's like that with the church. Remember, it's huge. There's thousands and thousands of members. The church is divided up into little assemblies of local churches, so also feeding the people could be more manageable. The Lord places a believer in... local congregation so that we will grow and find our work and our giftings there we need to join the most powerful service on earth the service of the believer now i'm going to talk about the difference between the believers ministry and the shepherd's ministry within the local church what is the role of the shepherd the duty of shepherds was to keep the flock intact, to protect it from predators, and guide it to market areas in time for shearing. So the shepherd's work is grounded in three, these three functions, one, to lead, two, to feed, and three, to protect. Ephesians 4.8 speaks of Jesus giving gifts to men. They are ministers that have been set in the church by Jesus himself, so I'm going to read Ephesians 4, 11 through 16. Now these are the gifts Christ gave to the church, the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, and the pastors and teachers. Their responsibility is to equip God's people to do his work and build up the, bo- the church, the body of Christ. Instead, we will speak the truth in love, growing in every way more and more like Christ, who is the head of his body, the church. He makes the whole body fit together perfectly. As each part does its own special work, it helps the other parts grow so that the whole body is healthy and growing and full of love. These are the gifts Christ gave to the local church. Again, the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the pastors, and the teachers. Why? Why did he give these particular gifts? Remember, it said to equip his people for works of service so that the body of Christ may be built up. The New King James Version says, For the equipping of the saints, for the work of the ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ— The shepherd's job is to equip the saints so the saints can do the work of the ministry. What is the work of the ministry? At baseline, the work of the ministry looks like making coffee, running the music and Bible slides on Proclaim, opening doors, and greeting visitors and friends alike. It looks like teaching children and arranging snacks. It looks like playing laser tag with students it looks like edifying and praying for one another it looks like singing and worshiping it is sharing the love of Jesus at our workplace at our schools and in our home it is visiting and mailing cards to those who cannot make it to church services any longer the work of the ministry has many different faces and works. But what we're actually doing is building up the body of Christ. It is the work of bringing God's message of good news to people. That's the work of the ministry. The work of the ministry is not standing in the pulpit delivering a sermon. The various ministerial gifts are there to serve and develop the church so that every believer finds his full potential in God. God wants believers to be strong in the supernatural without necessarily being employed full-time in a local church. The believer already has a full-time ministry, often without realizing it. He has a social network of neighbors, friends, work colleagues, and relatives, which is often wider than that of your pastor. Therefore, it is tragic when a believer becomes passive and lives only through church services, hoping that the preacher will do all the work. The believer's ministry is not some secondary ministry, but a vital primary ministry. Sometimes so much attention is given to the five ministerial gifts that the ministry of the believer is overlooked. All, all ministry goes back to Jesus He is our role model for everything. The Lord's Spirit was on him to empower him to preach, to heal, and deliver. Today, through the Holy Spirit, that same anointing has come upon the whole body of Christ. Each individual is anointed to serve and do the works of Jesus. Nowhere is it written that only the preachers are spiritual ministers. Jesus says in John 14:12, I tell you the truth, whoever believes in me will do the same things that I do. Those who believe will do even greater things than these because I'm going to the Father. Every believer is called to live a supernatural life with Jesus. We must understand that God's power, anointing, and blessing come only through obedience. Jesus is not only our personal savior, but Lord over his body, the church. And the church's ministry outlet throughout history is the local church. Therefore, the individual believer must come into the obedience of faith in the local church where he will find protection, security, blessings, and assignments. Obviously, God does not want all Christians to become pastors or evangelists or prophet or apostles. All Christians have something to contribute to the body of Christ. The purpose of the pastoral gift is to build up the body of Christ. The church is a body of believers with a specific nature and purpose. The local church has a role. These biblical roles are ministries of the local church are foundational to it. So what are these roles? Well, there are many, but key to any local church are foundations in worship, edification, and evangelism. Can you guys say those three roles with me again? Worship, edification, evangelism. It is pertinent that these three roles be practiced in our small group Bible studies, quilting group, youth group, Sunday school, especially the edification part. Let's break them down. Worship. Worship is God-centered and Christ-centered. We are to praise and glorify God in worship as such Every Christian needs to be part of regular fellowship and worship. When we worship, we are ministering to God. When I think of worship, I think of when we come in here to church and we sing, we worship. And as we sing, we are worshiping God. It's a lot of fun to sing songs that I grew up with in the hymnal because I grew up as Mennonite. I don't know if any of you knew that. So for 10 years of my life, I sang out of a hymnal, just like you all. And then after that, we went to other churches that didn't use hymnals. So when we come in here and we sing songs that I'm familiar with, it's a lot of fun. But I have to remember, I'm here to worship. I'm here to minister to my Heavenly Father, as well as enjoy myself, right? We get to enjoy ourselves in worship. Edification is also a role of the local church. What does it mean to edify? Edification is defined as building up, especially in a moral, emotional, or spiritual sense. We edify through encouragement and instruction. Synonyms for the word edify could be to clarify or to brighten. It involves building up fellow believers and encouraging them but also nurturing building up, or helping believers to mature in Christ. The opposite of edifying? Hmm, what do you think that would be? To criticize, complain, tear down? Oh yes, that's on my list coming right up. That is part of our old nature, not our born-again, new nature. So I'm going to talk about some tangible ways that we can edify each other. Esteem others higher than ourselves. Be wise in our speech. Communicate more effectively by thinking before we speak. Be encouraging. Be quick to forgive. Be understanding. Zero gossip. I didn't point to her because she gossiped, because she suggested it. That's why I pointed to her. (laughs) (laughs) Share knowledge and stay humble. Evangelism is also a key role of the church. This means reaching out to a lost world with the good news about Jesus. But beyond evangelism in the sense of reaching out with the gospel... The local congregation must also express compassion and mercy tangibly by helping others and following Christ's example to love others. The local church, too, must seek to make a real difference in the world while not neglecting to share the message of Christ. People come to a local church with many different backgrounds, they will be at different stages in their spiritual growth and maturity. For this reason, a local church is not a place for the spiritual elite, but a place for everyone. God loves everyone, and he wants each person to develop and grow spiritually. Just as the shepherd realizes that all people, including himself, make mistakes, and as the shepherd is to flow continuously in forgiveness and persevering love, so also the individual believer should not get caught up in negative attitudes and become critical when they discover that people are not perfect in their local church. Guess what? None of us are perfect. The congregation is also like a construction zone. If a physical church building was being built and the builders were just now laying that foundation, wouldn't it be ridiculous for the members to be disgruntled that the roof wasn't up yet? But it is also unhealthy and unhelpful to criticize our local church body for not having a roof when we are only at the stage of laying the foundation. God has his timetable. He knows when, where, and how everything should come into place those who contribute toward the work will see it appear and see all needs gradually met. The church is also the army of God and the believer is a soldier. The local church is a place where soldiers can receive inspiration and instruction, enabling them to go out, invade and gain ground in their immediate surroundings. Shepherds, pastors or spiritual leadership in local churches are comparable with the officers in an army. They lead in battle, inspire, instruct, train, and have the care of the soldiers, while at the same time caring for the wounded with the purpose of getting them back on their feet and out into the battle again. They cannot do all the work themselves. They are to oversee the work that it is done. They are to help the soldiers, the believers, to be competent in service. It is the believers who are to go out and take the land, and they are well able to do it. The church is also the family of God, and the believer is a child. The local church is a home full of love and care. However, in a family, there is more than only care to be found, isn't there? There is also the institution of authority for the function of a happy and harmonious unit. Harmonious unit. Baseline is quite familiar with the work of the ministry, especially the work that involves helping people. The people here have been helping others for so many years that the work has become almost automatic. When Sally passed away, all the ladies knew what was needed and what to do. They put together a luncheon seamlessly. So what may be new to some of you in this message is hearing the role of a shepherd or a pastor. Moses is a great example of an Old Testament shepherd in his role to the children of Israel. He was the point man whom God spoke face to face, and then Moses went out and led the people. In a local church, The pastor is the point man he is meant to lead the flock just as Moses did he is meant to hear from God to be led of the Holy Spirit to feed the flock what the Holy Spirit is leading him to feed we your pastoral team here we know that this aspect of the local church is different than what you've experienced As Baseline is still transforming from old ways to new ways, let's be patient and loving with each other. Here's an example of how this whole thing works. When your pastor, Barry, asks the whole church to be involved in that 2022's Bible reading challenge, be on board. Take part in that challenge. Buy a book or get on the plan on your phone or on your computer. Is it possible for everyone here to read together the entire Bible one day at a time? It is possible. Is it possible the Holy Spirit inspired Barry to do this? Allow the Holy Spirit to change our thinking on the role of the shepherd. Trust God, who is the one who delegated this authority. Trust God that he knows what he's doing. The church's ultimate goal is revival. There is both a divine and a human side in revival. God works in people's hearts so that they are drawn to Jesus. Revival involves restoration and reformation. It shakes society and brings salvation to the people. And God wants all this to be achieved through his church. When we think of revival, we often think of mass revival, where thousands of people find salvation. And that is revival in its broadest sense. But strictly speaking, the definition of revival is to rouse the church to an active, living faith and true obedience. And this results in God's presence, glory, and wonder being seen among his people. When revival comes, it penetrates society, changing individuals, and changing the church. A new wind of life and freedom blows over mankind. This enormous task is impossible for man, but God can perform it, and he will do so. Revival will shake the world, and the church will carry it through before Jesus returning. Amen. Amen. All right, Jan and Diane, come on up. Everybody stand up. Let's sing our final